welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Okay, well, we've been in a series called Hearts United Together, and we've been surveying the, uh, the book of Acts, which was written by Luke, and it, um, it, it goes over the stages of the early church, the formation of the early church, the first church. And we felt as a staff and leadership team that for this season in the life of our church, it's good for us to be together. It's good for us to be reminded about who the early church was and how, how, they, went about, um, how they went about vision together. They weren't simply taking up uh, space together, but they were on purpose together. They had vision together. They were filled with the Holy Spirit in order to be sent into the surrounding areas, and to the ends of the earth. And so we believe at Vineyard Cleveland that we are the same. We are filled with the Holy Spirit to be sent to bring life to our communities. And we do that through a varied number of different things. But we really want to get at today, we talked, well, we talked about being united in story and how stories are powerful. And we uh, journeyed the Holy Spirit together. And it's been wonderful looking at the book of Acts together. Today, we're going to talk about being known by God. And today's just going to be a straight preach, if that's okay with you. I'm just going to plow through it here. Here we go. So we're going to be looking at Acts 17 together and the final portion of when Paul visits Athens. And as I read it this week, there were a couple things that stuck out to me. And I'm just going to, for those of you note takers, like I said, it's going to be a straight preach. For those of you note takers and fill in the blank church people, I'm going to lay it out all before you right now. The thing that we need to know is that God knows us and God loves us. And God knows me and God loves me. And we're known for a purpose. That's everything. If you didn't get anything else, get that God knows you and loves you. And God knows us, Vineyard Cleveland. He sees us. And God loves us. And he's got a purpose for us. In knowing us, there's a purpose in him knowing us. And the key verse there this week has been Acts 17.23. And Luke uh, says this of uh, Paul. He's walking around Athens. He walked around and he looked carefully at your objects of worship. And I found even an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. To an unknown God. You know, there's so much focus today in the evangelical church about knowing God. You need to know God. Do you have a relationship with God? Let me invite you to know God. And this is all well and good, but we forget that part of knowing someone is being known in return. If you know God, so what? But if you know that you're known by God, that changes everything. Being known by God changes everything. Because being known is being, really being known, not just being like Twitter known, or like Facebook known, like I know somebody in this band, or, and they're famous, and, and I know them. Being known in our deepest part, being known 
be, the secrets of our heart being known is a completely different thing than knowing someone. Knowing about someone and actually knowing that person. So what I want to do is I want to read through this together. Acts 17, starting in verse 16. This is a big passage, so I'll do my best. I'm not an English major like Ben, so please forgive me in advance. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as those in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Er, er, America, does that sound familiar? Paul then, let me tell you about my idea. Let me tell you about my opinion. Tweet that. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, or superstitious, we could say there. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. Here it is. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this, why? So that men and women would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. He's not far. He's not remote from each one of us. He's near to us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made in man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent or to turn. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered and they laughed. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. 
Done. How'd we do? I was right there with you guys. An unknown God. So the main question on my heart this week, I felt like, was what difference does it make? What, what difference does being fully known and truly loved make? What good is it to know a God who doesn't know us? So God knows us. He loves us. As a church, in Luke 12, 32, Jesus says, Don't be afraid, little flock. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus refers to the church as a little flock. Now don't think, so like a shepherd would his sheep. Don't think Food, Inc. type of shepherds, processed and corporate and feeding America. Think first century Jewish shepherd who leaves the 99 for the one who's gone astray. The one lost sheep. This is how Jesus cares for the church. This is how Jesus knows us. He knows the church. And he loves the church. There's a beautiful picture of this that Diedrich Bonhoeffer talks about. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor who was imprisoned in Nazi Germany. Hitler ended up executing this man, because he did not agree with uh, the Nazi propaganda. And Bonhoeffer, in his book, Life Together, gives us this picture of Christian community. And he says, whenever we come into, some, come into contact with someone else who follows Christ, we need to be aware of the reality that's happening. And the reality is that your most direct link to that person is not through social networking, is not through getting coffee with that person, is not through catching up over old times, but your most direct link to that person is through prayer. That the reality is, in the church, that when you come to say hello to your brother or your sister in Christ, is that Christ stands between you and the one who Christ loves. In that, we're able to hear God's heart for the church. We're able to hear that if there's something that is burning in somebody's heart, and Jesus is saying to let that person go, we let that person go even though we, we want to hold on to that person. Perhaps there's somebody that you want to hold on to. But Christ stands in the middle and is saying, I don't want you hanging out with this person. Why would Jesus do something like this? I don't know, but he does it all the time. This is going to require us to hold on to folks the Lord says to hold on to or love who we don't particularly care for. (laughs) This means that some folks we need to let go of that we want to hold on to because the Lord says to let them go. God knows me and God loves me. In Acts 17.27, in the message version, in Eugene Peterson's message version, in verse 27, Eugene Peterson puts it this way, that God doesn't play hide and seek. God doesn't play hide and seek. He's not remote, he's near. The Hebrew word for knowing someone is yada. Yada. And what yada means 
from Genesis 4, 1, Adam knew, or Adam yada, have you, heard, have you seen Seinfeld? When Elaine says yada, 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 this happens. It's when you skip over details. It's literally Yiddish. That joke is Yiddish. Yada means to know. Adam knew his wife, Genesis 4.1, and Cain was conceived. Now, I don't know about you, but knowing... Yeah, I don't know if you guys are with me here. Are you... <laughs> Intelli- intellectually knowing someone else has never conceived a baby for a child dedication at Vineyard Cleveland before. Adam knew Eve. Adam knew Eve and Cain was conceived. Yada. Yada means wisdom, caring for others as a shepherd would care for his flock, like we said before. The shepherd knows, knows, yada, what the sheep need. They need to be fed, they need to be watered, and the shepherd knows this. There's wisdom, it's not just the the sheep need fed. There's a knowing about about the health of uh, livestock or what have you. Knowing. To be loved and not known is comforting, but it's superficial, isn't it? To be loved and not known known and not loved, well, that's our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness. And it fortifies us for any difficulty that life can throw at us. It means, this is, this is the difference maker of whether or not we're known and loved by God. What does that mean? It means that we can drop the mask. When you're, when you're fully known and truly loved by someone, you don't have to wear a mask. You can be yourself because by the grace of God I am. Yes? You don't have to put on any pretense You could simply be yourself with that person. In the same way, when Paul talks about God, God is not like us. God's spirit does not, um, he's not confined by shrines or golden altars. God doesn't hide behind that. There's no hiding with God. You can't hide from God. And that's a good thing. If you could hide from God, that would be the worst thing on the planet. We think we can hide really well from God, but everything is in plain sight before him. He knows you like no one else knows you. He yadas you. Amen. He yadas you. He knows the deepest secrets of your gut. The things that you, the defenses that you put up crumble like ashes before him. He sees right through the mist that you try to put up in front of him. He sees the walls you've been building in your heart brick by brick by brick for 20 years. 
and he takes a sledgehammer of love. You think that's going to stop God from getting to your heart? You can't get him off of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't run away from God. Who are you? Run from God. Usain Bolt can't run from God. He's the fastest man on the planet. Did you guys know that? Was it 9.5400 meters? It's crazy. Can't run from God. I can't run from him. He knows us. The unknown God that Paul sees the altar of is making himself known. And he does this in so many ways, doesn't he? He does this through creation. For some of you, you see a snowfall and you think of the beauty of God. He's looking for every opportunity. The problem is not on his end, y'all. He's look, he'll take anything. He'll be like, oh, you're going to worship me because you love grasshoppers? Here's another grasshopper. Let me show you how smart I am. He's doing everything within his power to make himself known to us. He's that wonderful. Listen to him. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Psalm 44.21. Would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? 1 Corinthians 8.3. But whoever loves God is known by God. 1 John 3.20, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, for he knows everything. Galatians 4.8-9, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who were by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather, you're known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Dietrich Bonhoeffer is in a prison cell in Nazi Germany, and he writes this wonderful poem, bless you. And the poem is about his purpose in life. Why am I sitting here? Am I one way today in front of the prison guards and in another hour somebody else? Why am I sitting here in this prison? And at the end, he says this, He says, not only does God know me better than I know him, but God knows me better than I know myself. Who who I really am, you know me. I'm yours. See, there's this thing of being known by someone, of belonging. You belong to Jesus. If you are known by God, I'm not talking about knowing God. Oh, I know God. Pastor, preacher, I know God. Thanks for, thanks for illuminating. I've, 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 oh, I've been here before. I've known God for 20 years. Oh, my theology and oh, my books that I've read and oh, this and that. That's great. You know a whole lot of facts about God. Does God know you? 
Does God know you? Because when, when someone knows you, you belong to them. You belong to this other person. When you, when you make vows on your wedding day, you're not just saying, oh, you know, I, I love you forever and making all these promises. No, you're, Jesus said what God has joined together. You belong to one another. There's this belonging that happens when you allow yourself to be known by God. That you belong to him. Paul says nothing. There's nothing. There's, there's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no hardship. There's no angel. There's no demon. Not even death can separate you from the love of God. Paul says that. You belong to God. If, if, you, if, you, if, you want to, <clears throat> if you want to know what it means to be a disciple of Christ, but you're not willing to be possessed, you will never know what it means to be known by God. Because he wants to fill, he wants to fill every pore of your body. He wants to infuse every thought that permeates your mind. Just drop it. Just let it go. Let it go. I wouldn't do that to you. Let's finish up. What counts is not so much our knowledge of God as God's knowledge of us. That's the syntax. That's the arrangement of salvation. You didn't love God first. You didn't know him. You didn't know about him first. He knew about you. He, for, he said he formed you. Before, before you were formed, he knew you. That's the syntax. That's the arrangement. Grace is always previous. It's always previous. You, you love God because he knew you. You love God because he loved you first. That's how the arrangement goes. To be known by God signifies to be approved and loved by him. His smile is on you. God is closer to me than I am myself. God doesn't know what it is like to be me, for he knows me better than I know myself. He knows the true me, the person I really am. We'll close with this. There's this wonderful picture. As many of you know, I love um, the Chronicles of Narnia. The Chronic What Calls of Narnia. And in one of the books, it's called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Are some of you familiar with this? There's this really naughty boy. His name is Eustace. He's terribly selfish. And he goes looking for treasure in a dragon's lair. And uh, he finds it. Anyway, he has this transformative experience with this huge lion. Of course, we know that the lion's name is Aslan. And so when he goes to his cousin, Edmund, 
and he asks Edmund who Aslan is, he says, he says this, But who is Aslan? Do you know him? asked Eustace. Well, he knows me, said Edmund. He's the great lion, the son of the emperor behind the sea who saved me and saved Narnia. Edmund humbly confesses that Aslan knows him better than he knows Aslan. He knows us better than we know him. And we're known for a purpose. We're known for a purpose. Paul writes that for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we're his offspring. Acts 17, 28. Having our being means we have our purpose in worship. Because we're going to worship somebody. Bob Dylan says you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve social media. You're going to... I was going to say you're going to worship the Cleveland Browns. It would be easier to worship the Cleveland Browns if they were winning. You're going to worship some sports team, some athlete, some rock star... Some shopping, some drugs, some something. You're going to worship something. Could there be anything greater than worshiping the living God who loves us and knows us, who fully knows us and truly loves us as we are? No questions. To be known, fully known, and truly loved is not to be objectified. This is an unobjectifiable relationship, and it's the only one of its kind. God never objectifies you, and you can't objectify Him to be fully known and truly loved. And I want to invite some of you to be known by God. You might say, you know, I've... I've been coming to church for 20 years. No, I know all about God. But there's something in your heart that says, you know, I don't really feel known by Him. I don't really feel loved by Him. Because we'll gravitate towards our strongest thought about who God is. That's what our life will look like. We need, there's this need, we need to be fully known by God. And I want to invite some of you into that. 